Well, good morning. Um, we began a new series last week entitled Dangerous Prayers. And so we are um, looking at these prayers that are maybe scary or intrusive or um, dangerous, as we're calling them. And, and when we are following God, if you are following God with your life, um, there are times and there are certain things that you have to pray things that are uncomfortable, that are dangerous, that are intrusive, and are uncomfortable and scary. Uh, because if we are going to be the people that God would call us to be, if we are going to grow into who He wants us, we have to pray some da dangerous prayers. And we talked about that with anything dangerous, there's a certain risk versus reward, right? There's this um, risk that comes from doing something dangerous, but you do it because you hope that the reward is greater than the risk. And so my wife, Laura, and I, um, we prayed a dangerous prayer. We, we prayed for a child. And so uh, about two months ago, we were, we were given a little beautiful baby girl, Amelia, um, and we prayed that because the risk was losing sleep, right? But the reward was, I get to change poopy diapers, you know? And um, that's the reward that I get. Uh, I'm just kidding. I do love her very much. Um, I, uh, <laughs> but there is a risk that comes with any thing that we do, anything that has a good reward, I think there's usually a risk that comes along with it. Uh, we see that uh, with children. We see that in marriage. Uh, we see that with these big events and when we are trusting God and we are going where God is calling us to go, there's always a little bit of risk. And Alex talked about um, the risk that comes when we pray the prayer, search me. Um, because when we ask God to search our hearts, to know us, um, to teach us the ways of righteousness and everlasting. Um, there is a risk that we are going to see things and God is going to reveal things to us that we don't want to see, right? When we search our hearts, we're going to see areas that we don't like. And so last week's message of search me and that prayer should lead to this week's prayer, which is change me. God, change me. We all have things in our life that need changing. We uh, can look at our lives and, and really from the time, from the beginning of our relationship with Jesus, I think most of us, that's one of the first things that we found, is that when we saw Jesus, maybe it was even before we became and we put our faith in Christ and in the work of the cross, maybe you realized that you needed to change. Maybe you realize that there are decisions that you have made, that there are mistakes that you made, that there is brokenness in your life. And maybe when you encountered Jesus for the first time, you were able to pray the prayer, God, change me. Maybe you saw your sin for what it truly was, which is sin against God for the first time. And you prayed the prayer, God, change me. I'm broken. I have searched my heart. You have shown me ways where I need to change. So God, please change me. And scripture compares change or growth to the believer. Um, it compares it to a plant, okay? And so in Psalm chapter 1, we see that um, a man who delights in the law of the Lord is like a tree that is planted beside streams of water. 
right? That, that, that tree, that, that person who delights in the law of the Lord is like a tree next to water, so it has nourishment, it has life going to it. It can grow and be strong and bold because that man delights in the law of the Lord. It's like a tree, right? And then we see in John chapter 15, when Jesus is speaking, he says that, that Jesus is the vine and we are what? We are the branches that are connected to the vine. And when we grow, we grow because we are connected to Jesus. We are like plants, right? That's how the Bible over and over and over again speaks about our growth and our change to look more like Jesus. And so what does that mean? What does it mean that our growth, our change, is compared to plants? Well, I think the most important thing is it means that it's slow. Our growth in Christ is slow. Change is slow. That's our first point. Change is slow. Maybe for some of you, you've been a Christian for 40 years, for 50 years, for 20 years, and you thought you were going to be further along than you are right now. Maybe you thought when you made the decision to follow Jesus a long time ago, you thought you were going to be done with those things that you were dealing with back then, but you know what? Maybe you're still dealing with them today. Change is slow. And that is hard for us because we live in a world of instant gratification and self-help. So what I mean by that um, is that we don't have a correct understanding of how change happens. So if you go to the grocery store, if you go um, to maybe Barnes & Noble or or a book um, store, you will see that there are aisles and aisles and aisles of self-help books. Seven steps to true happiness. Ten steps to change. Five steps to lose weight. Right, whatever it is, there, there's always this many steps to, to, to make change happen, to make sure that your life is completely different, um, and it's going to be better. You, you read this book, you follow these steps, solid proof it's going to happen. And we know that's not true. Um, maybe you've been told you can take a pill once a day and you're going to lose 20 pounds. Easy as that. Maybe you have a hole in your boat and you just slap some flex tape on it. I don't know. Maybe that's you. Well, let me tell you, there's a better way to actually fix that boat. It just takes a little bit longer, and it's a little more difficult. Uh, There's actually a a tried-and-true method on how to lose weight, and it's called diet and exercise. It's just not much fun. Happy Thanksgiving. Because when we diet, that means we don't get to eat the food that we want to eat. And when we exercise, that means you're making me go do something that I'm not being chased, so why am I running, right? (laughs) There are things in our lives that we are able to change, but it's a little bit slower. It's a little bit more difficult. It's not as easy as we would like it to be. So when we pray this prayer, God, change me, I think sometimes it's not always going to look how we want it to look. Um, The Bible uses a different word than change that means change, and that word is sanctification. And so we have the definition for sanctification up here. Um, Sanctification is the ongoing supernatural work of God to rescue justified sinners from the disease of sin and to conform them to the image of his Son, holy, Christ-like, and empowered to do good works. And so as we go through this, sanctification is what? It is the on 
ongoing work of God. Ongoing. Doesn't stop. From the moment that you put your faith in Christ, from the moment maybe you walked down the altar, from the moment that you decided that you no longer want to live for yourself, but you are putting your faith and your trust in Jesus, until the day that you meet Jesus again, you're going to be sanctified. You're going to be conformed more and more into the image of Christ. So it is ongoing, and who is it the ongoing work for? Justified sinners justified sinners, and, and I want to do a clarification real quick and a little bit of uh, theology teaching. Um, we, if you have put your faith in Christ, if you can say that you're a believer, you're a disciple of Jesus, and you are following his leading in your life, you are justified. And what that means is that positionally, positionally, you have been positionally um, placed holy. You're holy in a positional aspect, which that means that you can stand before God, and when God looks upon you, he does not see the sins and the brokenness and the mistakes that you made, but what, what God sees is Christ, because Christ is the atoning sacrifice. He is the propitiation and took your place. And so because, God or because Jesus took your place, when God looks upon you, you have positional holiness, okay? That's what it means to be justified. But I don't think anyone in here would say, okay, I'm justified. I'm positionally holy. Look at my life. I'm holy. No. I think we would look at our life and say, I'm messed up. And if you don't say that, you're messed up because you're a liar. <laughs> All right? Because we are justified. We are positionally holy. We are saved. We have eternal life. We are in right relationship with God. But what is manifested inside of our lives? What actions, what motives, what thoughts do we have? They're probably not holy. So sanctification is the manifest holiness that God is trying to bring about in our lives. He's trying to, by one degree to the next, make us look more and more like Jesus. So we are justified we are positionally holy, but we're not yet where we need to be. So sanctification is this work of God changing us, making us look more like him, more like his son. So let's continue with this plant analogy. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. It's a popular verse. It is the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Okay, so this is the goal. This is what we want to look like. This is the type of plant, the type of fruit that we want to produce. We want to, to produce love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That is what we ought to produce because that is what Jesus produced. And you'll notice it says fruit of the Spirit. If there's any English teachers in here, you probably get a little irked because it says fruit and then it lists a whole bunch of things. It should be fruits of the Spirit. Well, no, it actually shouldn't. It says that on purpose, that it is the fruit of the Spirit. That when we look at this, we can't say, you know what? I'm a peace tree. <laughs> That's the fruit I produce. I produce peace. I don't have all the rest of them because I'm not a, I'm not a, right, I'm not a, a faithfulness tree. I'm a, I'm a joy tree. 
all right? It is all of them. That if you have the Spirit, if you are justified, if you are saved, if you are being sanctified, you are producing all of these fruit. And the Spirit is going to begin to produce and work in areas to produce these fruit. So looking at this list, looking at this fruit, how are you doing? How are you doing, tree? <laughs> what, what does your fruit look like? Do you need God to help sanctify you? I'm sure all of us can say yes. We need to change. We need God to change us. And this is where the prayer gets dangerous. Because I told you we were coming back to John 15 where Jesus is talking about us being the branches and he is the vine. And so now that we go back to John 15, how does God change us? How does God help us produce this fruit? Well, Jesus says, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. But look, Every branch that does bear fruit, so that's the one who is justified. The one who bears fruit is the one who is being sanctified, who God is at work. And you can see some of this fruit in your life. For every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. If you are justified, if you are walking in the Spirit, what does God do? He prunes. God prunes us so that we can produce more fruit, so that we can change and be conformed into the image of his son, so that we could produce fruit like what it talks about here. But pruning is the act of cutting off certain parts of the plant that inhibit growth. Pruning is where you take some shears and you begin to clip off dead branches, you begin to clip off thorns, you begin to clip off things that are going to steal the life from the plant. And so, when we ask God to change us, guess what? That's the method. He prunes you. God wants to get rid of areas of your life that are inhibiting or keeping you from growing into who he has called you to be. So why is this dangerous? Well, it's dangerous because the risk is that change is painful. Change is hard. We already talked about it's slow, but it's painful. The reward is to look more like Jesus and produce fruit, but the risk is that you are going to lose things in your life that you aren't ready to get rid of. That God is going to push you in areas of your life where you aren't necessarily ready to go. There are things that maybe you're holding on to that are keeping you from growing, but you're not ready to open your hand and let go of it. Um, but when we truly open ourselves to let God change us, he is going to work where he wants to work. Guess what? You don't get to choose where God works in your life. <laughs> you don't get to say, God, work on this area, but 99% over here, I think I'm good for now. You don't get to do that. Um, when I was in college, um, I had quite a few different friend groups, and so I had uh, my church friends, and, and I had my work friends, and then I had my school friends that I'd go to class and study with, and then I had my sports friends that I would uh, uh, play soccer with and things like that. Um, and, and so basically what I'm getting at is that everybody loved me. That's my point. Um, 
Uh, it sounded really narcissistic um, as it was coming out of my mouth. Uh, my point was that I had these different groups of friends, and, uh, but at the same time, I was trying to grow in my relationship and in my faith with God. I was trying to really grow and mature and be the person that I knew that God wanted me to be. And so um, I began to ask God, hey, God, um, change me in this certain area. Hey, God, this certain sin in my life, will you just change me? Will you take that away from me? And I began to pray that God would change me and God would grow me. And, and what ended up happening is, is God revealed to me that for me to change, I needed to break off some of the relationships that I had. That some of my friends that I would hang out with um, weren't necessarily talking about theology and righteousness and talking about things that were going to lead me to growth. And the actions that they were doing were not necessarily going to lead me towards Christ. So what I realized is that if I truly wanted to grow, if I'm hanging out with these friends, guess what? I'm taking a step back in my growth. That, that this area of my life, that sh this, this shoot of branch off of my branch needed to get cut off if I was going to grow in the direction that God wanted me to. And I don't know if God's ever called you to end a relationship God's ever called you to break off a relationship, but it's not easy. Because typically, if your friend isn't growing in the same direction as you, they're not going to understand your reasons for breaking off that relationship. And, that, and that's what I had to learn, that these friends didn't understand. They became angry with me. Um, that I didn't want to do these things anymore. I didn't want to live this way anymore. You're, it's kind of keeping me from going where I want to go. And they felt hurt, they felt heartbroken, um, they felt betrayed. And that was really difficult. That's hard to do. Uh, and I focused on this certain area that I wanted God to change me, but God showed me that it's a much bigger picture and you needed to change this before I can change this. And so I think this is true for each one of us. Um, I think if we are going to be um, bold in our faith and ask God to change us, there are certain things that are going to get pruned or cut off. And it might be relationships. Maybe there's a relationship that you have that is not honoring God and you need to end that relationship. Let me quickly say, if that relationship is marriage, you don't get out of that one. Even if your spouse is not walking in the way of the Lord, you don't get out of that one. You stay and you be faithful to that relationship and you live and you be Jesus in that relationship until you see God work in that other person's life. And if it never happens, you be faithful. Some of you thought I was joking when I said <laughs> the marriage thing, which uh, if your spouse is just being a... Uh, you know, a dummy like, like I am sometimes, you also can't leave. You can't leave for them being dumb either. Um, but I don't know. What I know is that if we have things that keep us from growing, if we have idols in our life, God is going to prune those and cut those off. Maybe that drink that you really enjoy, 
is not just a drink that you enjoy, but maybe that's taking captive of you and maybe that's becoming an addiction. Maybe that drink that you just enjoy to have when you get home from work every day is becoming your God and that's how you cope with the situations in your life instead of taking it to the Lord in prayer. I don't know. Maybe your job that you work so hard for and you work for a long time to get and it provides well for your family, maybe that job is keeping you from leading and loving your family like you need to. That's hard to hear. If you love your job and it provides well, it's hard for God to call you to quit that job. But some of us, if we are going to grow, if we're going to love our family and lead our family, we have to make these changes. We have to allow God to change us. Maybe it's social media. Uh, maybe social media, when you look at it, it causes you to compare. It causes you to be envious. Or maybe it just causes you to pick up your phone in the morning and not pick up your Bible. Maybe it just consumes your time and your energy and your thoughts. I know that we all have idols, and I know that God is a jealous God, and anything sitting on the throne of God that we would place above him, he wants to prune that for sure. Sanctification doesn't always look like God cutting things off of our life, though. Um, sometimes it looks like him teaching us to learn and to produce the fruit of the Spirit. And so um, maybe your prayer is for peace. Maybe you just have anxiety and you stress about every situation in your life and you just don't have the peace because you're always thinking the worst thing is going to happen. You're always assuming that um, you're going to have a health issue. You're always assuming that there's going to be something that goes wrong in your life. And so God, you're just praying and asking God for peace. But what if he reveals to you that your problem of not having peace is that you're selfish and you're only focused on yourself? And you're trying to control your situation so much so that you're not trusting and putting your faith in him. That you're so consumed with your possessions and your job and your family and God wants to tell you that you're selfish and your selfishness is going to keep you from ever having peace. So what you need to do is you need to be selfless, which means that you need to be generous with your time. You need to be generous with your finances and give to things that I am calling you to give them to because you are holding on too tight to all of your possessions. So what's the solution? To be generous with your possession, to be selfless, and then he will teach you to have peace when you stop caring so much about your life. That's not fun. That's not what we want to hear. God, I just asked for peace. Now you're asking me to be generous? Now you're asking me to give of myself and of my time and of my finances? And God's saying, you asked me to change you. I'm trying to grow you. I'm trying to show you how to look more like my son, Jesus. And maybe you have anger and maybe your anger is becoming an issue with your wife, with your kids. So you just pray, God, would you give me self-control? Because I'm tired of being angry, so God, please give me self-control. And what if God reveals that the reason you are angry is because you are holding on to wounds, you are holding on to brokenness that was caused by your father when you were a child? 
And so for you to have self-control, for you to be able to not be angry, what you need to do is forgive your dad. (laughs) We don't like that. I've been holding on to that grudge for 30 years. I can't forgive him. Right? What do we do when God calls us and it shows us that your growth is going to be difficult? Do we still pray, God, change me? Do we still allow God to change us and work through our lives? Because pruning is difficult. But if we are going to grow, if we are going to change and look more like Jesus, the sanctification process means that we are pruned. And pruning is necessary. The process of pruning prepares us for our purpose. How about some alliteration? (laughs) The process of pruning is what prepares us for our purpose. Our purpose is to look like Jesus. Our purpose is to honor God and be obedient to God. And that means that we are made more and more holy and sanctified every single day. That is our purpose, Christian. And it takes pruning. It takes change. It takes us opening ourselves up and letting God work in us. So let's look back at Galatians chapter 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If God is showing us that we need to change, that we need to look more like this, this is the fruit that we need to produce, how do we actually begin to change? Let's continue. Verse 23 through 25, it says, Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. How do we bear these fruits? How do we begin to change? Is it self-help? Is it seven steps to living a fruit-filled life? No. Is it try hard? I know that I am justified and now I'm going to work my tail off to look like Jesus. No, that's not it. How do we change? What does it say? We crucify the flesh and we live by the Spirit. We crucify the flesh. Spiritual change, sanctification, it's not our job. What did the definition say earlier? Sanctification is the work of God. Change is the work of God of God. That's our third point, our final point today. We're going to end with this. Um, For a long time, I didn't understand what it meant to live a spirit-filled life, a spirit-led life. What did it mean to walk in step with the spirit? What does it mean to crucify the flesh? I've trusted Jesus, I know that Jesus died for me. I know that I'm forgiven. I know that I now need to look different. I know that my life needs to change, but how do I begin to change? Uh, It's so easy for us to think, okay, if I'm going to stop drinking, I'm the one who has to stop picking up the bottle. So it relies on me, and it relies on my strength. It relies on my self-control to not drink anymore. 
I'm not going to be angry, it's up to me to calm myself down. If I'm not going to look at pornography anymore, it's up to me to stop it. It's up to myself to not do the things that lead me to do that, right? It's up to me. It's my work. For the longest time, I didn't understand how I was supposed to not live by the flesh and not try hard to look like Jesus, but how I was supposed to just walk in step with the Spirit and let it happen on its own. doesn't make sense to me. But that's not what it means to live by the Spirit. That we don't produce the fruit of the Spirit through the work of the flesh. The fruit of the Spirit comes from the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit in sanctification is the work of God for the justified sinners. It is us being made more like Christ and how are we ourselves who got us into the mess that made us realize we need to be changed in the first place, how are we going to look like Jesus? It's only through the Spirit. So how does change happen in our lives? Well, change happens when we realize that we are changed. All right, I'm going to say it again. Change happens when we realize that we are changed. If you are a Christian, if you have put your faith and your trust in the work of the cross and salvation that only comes through the work of what Jesus has already done, you are what? Positionally holy. You are righteous. You are made new. The old has passed away. The new has come. The old me is dead, buried with Christ. And now I walk in the freedom of of the Spirit. The old is gone, the new has come. We crucify our old selves, and by faith, we live in the Spirit. Um, I hope this analogy helps. Um, I, me and my wife, Laura, we used to live in an apartment in Surprise, and when I say in surprise, I mean like in surprise, not the desert. Um, and we lived uh, in an apartment next to the stadium over there. And uh, we lived there about a year. And then we moved and we bought a house here in Desert Oasis. And uh, for a period, uh, I don't know, a few weeks, maybe a month, I would go to the grocery store or, you know, out somewhere in surprise. And I would go home and I would realize about halfway home that I was driving to the apartment, right? Uh, luckily, I never, like, tried to get inside. That would have been, that would have been awkward, right? Um, but there was this time period where I had to um, cognitively think to myself, no, don't turn right, turn left. No, don't go this way. You don't live there anymore. Go this way. You live over here. Believer, follower of Jesus, disciple, you don't live over here anymore. You live over here. So what does it mean to walk by the Spirit? It means that you believe that you are changed. You believe that the work of Jesus was enough, so you no longer live by the flesh, but you live by the Spirit. And so you don't force yourself to work your way over here, but what you say is, I'm already here. This is where I live. That what Jesus has done is enough and that I can live by the Spirit. So I don't want that drink anymore because the old me does not find my joy in drinking. 
that I don't have to get angry. And these things don't make me angry anymore because guess what? My joy is in the heavenly realms. My joy is in Christ. And so you can't steal my joy from these little things. I am no longer defined by my insecurities, by my fears, by my mistakes. I'm defined by what Christ has done in him crucified. We must trust what the scripture says. We must trust what has already taken place. We have to place our faith in the work of the Spirit. And the more and more that we say, I no longer live over here, but this is where I live. I am defined. I am a spirit tree. That the fruit of the Spirit are what define me. The more and more we do that, the more and more we're going to change. The more and more we allow the Spirit to manifest and work itself out in us, the more and more we are going to be conformed to the image of Christ. So we pray, change me. It's a scary prayer because one, change is slow and we're an impatient people. Change is slow, but change is also painful. God is going to prune and cut off and grow us in areas that are really, really difficult. But change is the work of God. It doesn't fall on our shoulders, but what we do is we crucify the flesh and we walk in the Spirit. We can't be who God has called us to be unless we allow him to change us by his spirit. Let's pray. Um, God, I thank you for your word and I thank you for your truth. Lord, I pray that pray that your spirit would be real to us, that your spirit would move now in this place for the believer in the here who needs to look at their life and, and just pray that you would begin to change them. I pray for boldness in that. And Lord, I believe that... Um, there are some people in here today, God, who know that they need change. They know that their life is a mess or in shambles or broken. But God, they haven't yet put their faith and their trust in you. Guys, if that's you today, if you have yet to trust Jesus as your Savior, as the Lord and King of your life. I pray that you wouldn't leave this place today without making that decision. You see, Jesus, God's only Son, lived a perfect life and died a gruesome death that was deserving for you and for me. And because He did that, we can live forgiven 
we can live with hope and we can stand before God unashamed and we could be changed and made new. But the first step is trusting him. The first step to change is asking him for forgiveness. And so if you need to do that today, I pray that right now, just with boldness, you would pray to God and thank him for the sacrifice he has made and ask him to be the Lord of your life and trust him, put your faith in him, maybe for the first time to lead you in this life. And if you do that, I just pray that in boldness you would come talk to me afterwards. You would come talk to Alex after, that you would write it on your connection card and just mark that you have made the decision to follow Jesus. It's scary, I know. It's the best decision you'll ever make. And we want to walk with you in that. So if that's you today, let us know. There's other uh, others of us in here who have put our faith in Christ, and maybe you um, have asked God to change you, but you're holding on to certain things that you need to let go of. You're holding on to certain sins and areas of your life that he is trying to prune off. God, I pray right now for that person that you would just give them the faith to trust you and let go, to cut off that relationship to um, believe the Spirit, that they no longer have to live in that sin. I pray for your Spirit to give them that faith and that boldness. But God, I pray for us who are justified, who are saved by grace through faith in you. Lord, that we would live by your Spirit, that we would trust in what your scripture says, that we are made new, that we are made right, that we are made whole and justified because of the work that you have already done. That we would be a people who are defined by that and live in that. Jesus, it's all through your spirit and the power of your name. Amen.